0: Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. And if you are taking notes today, the title of my message is Hot Sauce House. Hot Sauce House. Um, I remember when I was a kid, this is probably like uh, early junior high, 6th, 7th grade, uh, I got invited to go and and spend the night at my friend's house, and we went over to their house, and and it was great, and I, at that point in time, my my parents didn't let us really do a lot of sleepovers, so it was like very exciting, and then we all sat down for dinner, and they served the dinner. My parents were always really clear to me, like, when you go to somebody else's house, you, whatever they serve you, you're just like, thank you, and you, you eat it, and you finish it, and you say thank you. And of course, I was a smart little kid, so I was like, what if it's horrible? And they're like, you eat it all, and you say thank you. This, this is the kind of people that we want to be. And so we're, I'm at these people's house, and I have this mindset, and um, I mean, honestly, I didn't really fight them too hard on it. I was kind of a chubby kid. So everything, well, I was interested in eating all of it, you know? And I'm sitting there, and they serve the food, and I start eating this food, and right after the first bite, I'm like, my eyes start watering a little bit, and I'm like, man, this is, this is a little spicier than mom makes uh, at our house, and um, my eyes kind of start watering, but I have this like voice in my head echoing from my family of like, no matter where you are, no matter what they serve, if you don't like it, eat the whole thing, say thank you, and so I'm just, I'm determined, I'm gonna be A man of integrity, you know, at 12 years old. And so I just keep eating and my throat is on fire. I start coughing at one point, like really hard. I'm just drinking all this water. I'm sweating. I have like, I'm a 12 year old kid at a table, just sitting there eating. I have like the sweat ring, like forming, you know, they can see, like they can start to notice that I'm not doing well, that I'm uncomfortable. And I'm starting to like, you know, when you're talking and your mouth is on fire, and you're like, anyway, how, how, how you're trying to like exhale while you're like trying to talk through the pain of it. And I'm, I'm in this sort of moment with them and they're like, what's wrong? You know, and do you not like the food? I'm like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> mm, it's delicious. I love it. Thank you very much. I plan to eat the whole thing uh, as I wipe more sweat off. And uh, they're like, this is hot to you? And I'm like, it's very hot. <laughs> My mouth is on fire. And they're like, really? And for the first time, I look around the table and notice they are calm. Everyone else is fine. We're all eating the same whatever casserole thing it was. We're all eating the same thing. They didn't put anything on it. I didn't put anything extra on it. They're fine. I think I'm about to have a stroke. I don't know if a 12-year-old could have a stroke. If if it's going to happen, it's going to happen today with me. And I'm, I'm freaking out. And they're just like, look at this kid. And I remember they're just like, look at this white kid. He can't handle it. And, um this family had an ethnic background, and they had been training for decades to withstand all sorts of heat. They don't even feel it anymore. They don't even taste it. They can't even taste food until it gets to, like, you know you go to a restaurant, and they have, like, the, the green to the yellow to the red to the black, you know what I mean? And, like, they can't even taste things until it gets into the red zone. And in my family, you know, like, they're using heat as a base for cooking. My mom is using, like, cottage cheese, you know what I mean? Not a spicy sort of a base. And I was just, I was on fire and they're laughing at me. And every time, every time I went over to the house, they were always like, oh, and we made this corner special for you. My friend would always put his hand on my shoulder and like kind of like condescendingly pat my back. I'd be like, get off me, man. And from then on their whole family called me mild sauce, which I did not appreciate. Like, oh, is Mild Sauce joining us for dinner? And I was like, you know what, you guys, I brought my own cottage cheese snack pack, so I don't do whatever we need to do. And I wonder if you've been in a situation like this before. Like, how many times have you realized how different you and your upbringing is to other people and their upbringing? Like, your environment, how you grew up, what seems, like, regular to you? Uh, was just not the way that they were, and I, I think this happens all the time, like, you know, maybe for you, it's like your family has certain shows that you watch together, and you love, and you talk about, but then, you know, you have another friend, or you, you know, interact with somebody else, and they think that the TV waste, watching TV is a waste of time, like, it's horrible, they don't have anything to do with it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, we kind of watch that all together, you know, uh, maybe, like, your family, you have, like, matching jerseys, You have a specific team that nothing else matters, like when it's in season, you watch all the games together, it's a religious experience for you, and other families don't even know when it's football season, and you just, you can't even comprehend that. How do you not know? This is what we live for here. Maybe for your family, like when somebody says, hey, we're going to be having dinner at six, you know what they mean is, you better be here at 5.30, okay? Because you need to get in the door, you're expected to help with some of the prep. If, if we say six, it means that dinner's gonna be on the table at six and we're gonna be waiting for you. And someone will be bitter and angry if you show up at 6.02 and waltz in here and we're all staring like, oh, okay. And no matter what you say is an excuse, they don't care. Other families, you've learned when they say like, hey, dinner's at six, what they mean is somebody may or may not start cooking at six, <laughs> you know? Show up whenever you want to, okay? No, there's not going to be any real food being eaten until like 8 30 but here's the thing you better show up in enough time to personally greet and get a detailed backstory of every person because until you greet every person in that like vicinity nobody eats and you don't want to get the bitterness of that and that's gonna take some time because you're gonna get cornered by all the aunts and uncles especially if you're dating somebody new that's how it works And this isn't just true from family to family, these sort of differences of of environment and relationships. I, I think it's also different from friend group to friend group and company to company and even church to church. And the whole point of this that I want to draw your attention to is that the people around you shape what's normal for you. Like, what you think is normal and regular is influenced by the people you spend the most time with. And I think this is great. Like, I love learning, you know, about people's lives and routines and households and habits. And and I'm like, what did you guys do for this? And they tell me, and I'm like, that is, that's incredible. I would have never even thought about that. That's not even something that my family would have ever even entertained. Uh, And that's what's kind of fun about having different sorts of friends from different backgrounds and environments and, and upbringings and interests Uh, that they sort of open your eyes that there are more than one way to be. I, I think the question that this brings up that we all have to wrestle with as we get older is, what do you do when what feels normal to you isn't good for you? Because sometimes that's what happens. We, we fall in love or we, at least we get used to just the way we kind of go about life, which has been influenced by the people around us. And sometimes you have this moment where you realize when you look at your coworkers or your family or your circle of friends, that a lot of what you have in common are the traits that you like least about yourself. And what do you do in that moment? I wonder if you've ever taken inventory of the people around you and tried to figure out what you have in common. It's an interesting exercise. Like, just, just what you have in common, don't, don't put a judgment on it, but just list it out, and then go back and reflect on what that means. I wonder if you were to look around at the people around you, if you'd be like, wow, you know what? We are all pretty anxious people. That's interesting. When I look at all of us, we're all workaholics, when I look at all of us, most of our interactions revolve around drinking alcohol. That's interesting. None of us are very active people, and most of us are pretty chubby. That is interesting. Now, good or bad, just an observation I'm making about all of us that I may or may not share with the rest of the people. If I look around at all of us, like a lot of people in this group spend a lot of time complaining about things. That's a huge part of where our relationships... All of us in this circle have been divorced multiple times. That's as interesting. Fascinating. And maybe as you're thinking through this right now, you've never done this exercise, and you're noticing maybe for the first time that you have some not-so-great things in common with certain people. And you've never even thought of those things as negative because you just sort of see them as normal. I wonder if you have ever tried to change something about yourself without actually rearranging anything about your environment or anyone in it. If you've ever done this, you realize how difficult it is. It almost feels impossible that it's tough to change you without changing anything around you, whether it's the environment or the people or the schedule, it's tough to do. And I wonder also like if you have had an experience where you started spending time with somebody and you found yourself becoming like them even though you didn't mean to and you weren't trying to. And it kind of surprised you. You're like, I didn't mean as a 42-year-old woman to start calling people brah. It just happened. <laughs> I don't know when it happened. I, have, I feel like it has something to do with my son's friends, but it, it, started, it started happening. The day you look at your grandma and you're like, listen, brah, like, what? what? I know I said I would never watch The Bachelor, okay, but everybody at work talks about it in the break room, and I feel like I'm, I'm left out, and I'm just like, I'm going to watch a couple so I can participate in the conversation, and then, and now, uh, the break room's kind of flipped over, and nobody's talking about it, but I am still watching this show. I'm trapped. I always thought Stanley cups were stupid and overrated, but this mom's group sucked me in, okay, and I got to have it. I got to have that Stanley cup. And my husband was like, what about this Costco knockoff? And I looked at him like he was the devil. I was like, get behind me, Satan. I need my Stanley. These things happen to us. And I think like sometimes admitting how much we're influenced by other people is hard to do because we like to think of ourselves as strong, independent, free thinkers. But we are social creatures. We have this built-in need to fit in. We impact and influence one another. We naturally mimic and model one another. This is what it is to be a human. And this is why the the classic, you know, cliche parenting question is enormously loopholed. I don't know if your parents or grandparents asked you this. My mom asked me this a ton of times. So if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you too? And here's the real answer. Maybe, okay? I don't know. They probably, I trust these people. They probably have a good reason. How high is the cliff? What are we jumping into? Is it a body of water? Is this like, are we on a cruise? Is this like an excursion? Are we wearing hand gliders? I need more information about this, okay? (laughs) I don't know that I can just answer it straight across. I need details, mom. All this to say, changing certain things about you will require you to address who you put around you. And I think this is a challenging thought because it's hard to admit that someone that we like, who may even be a really good person, may not be good for us right now. At this stage of our life, with, our, um, with this season, with the goals that we have, with the things that God has called us to, we may have to rearrange some relationships in order to grow up, in order to grow forward, in order to become more like Christ and that's a tough thing to swallow. Um, one writer in the New Testament says it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 13. He's actually repeating a piece of wisdom from the Old Testament. And he says, don't be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, like, if you're on a good path, the wrong combination of people around you can knock you off the path. And if you are at a place where you're like, I know where I want to go, I'm having trouble even finding the path at this stage your problem may actually be people. And essentially what he's saying is, if you look at your own life and you start noticing like, man, I have a lot of trouble sticking to this habit or maintaining this mindset or carrying out this particular commitment, it's a, there's a good chance that you need to make an adjustment to who you spend the bulk of your time around. Now, this doesn't mean that you trash all your relationships. And we've all seen people do this, like, I'm gonna try and get healthy and so I can't be around you fatties anymore. And you're like, whoa, okay, hold on. That is offensive and frustrating, and also I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. But what this may mean is that you might need to minimize time with certain people. You may need to add some new relationships with some different people who prioritize and live their lives in different ways. You may need to increase time with people that you already have relationships with who are particularly leaned in to a certain area. What I do know is this, that becoming more resilient in any area will require you to be honest about the impact of your relationships on that area. And a lot of times we don't do this math. We assume that if we can't move forward in a certain area, if we're struggling with a certain thing, that it's probably a me problem as opposed to an us problem. And because the Bible is written as a communal book to a communal people, what it's constantly trying to get us to see is that if we are struggling to become a certain kind of person or to be resilient in certain kind of ways, that it has something to do with the chemistry of the people around you. What is that? How is that true of you? And I want to sort of wrestle with this reality and what to do about it by going back into this story that we started reading um, in this series last week. It's in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, and it's about this guy named Gideon who felt challenged or called by God to step up and help lead his people to be free from this oppression that they're under uh, by this occupying force. And he probably wouldn't have been our first choice, but God sees something in him that he doesn't see in himself, that a lot of other people around him don't see in him. And, And God encourages Gideon to take one small step at a time and to become more resilient by putting his passion and this new purpose that he has into a daily, weekly practice and moving forward. And he's starting to see progress, but the thing in front of him is still way bigger than something he can tackle on his own. So he realizes and God tells him that he needs to gather up other people to be alongside him in order to do what he's called to do. And so he spreads the word that he's looking for warriors to join this fight because in this particular story, um, it's not a metaphorical fight. There's an actual battle that it needs to happen. And he sort of does an open call, right? He's not really picky. He's just like any available body who's willing, if you guys could show up and help me fight this. And that's sort of his strategy, but God has a different idea about who he's going to need around him for this next leg of his journey. And I want to pick up this story in Judges chapter 7, verse 1. And this is how it reads. Gideon and his army went to where the armies of Midian, their enemy, were camped. And the Lord said to Gideon, "'You have too many warriors. "'If I let all of you fight the Israelites, "'your people will boast that they've saved themselves "'by their own strength,' So tell them, whoever is nervous or afraid may go home. 22,000 people went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. If you're Gideon, this is a bummer, you know? (laughs) God is like, I want you to rely on me, not yourself, in fighting this battle. And Gideon's like, yeah, you know what? Yes, that's the kind of person I want to be. And God's like, cool, so... Um, you know, tell, you know, these people to go home if they're scared or nervous or whatever. And then two-thirds of the people leave of a group of people that was already too small to guarantee victory. And Gideon's like, okay, that did not go how I thought it was going to go. And what I think is interesting is God whittles down uh, the people beside him for this particular battle. What I think is interesting is how. Because I think this is a question that all of us have at different moments in our life. Like when you are going into the biggest battle of your life, how do you decide who you want by your side and who you don't? Because that's a real question for him right now, but that's a real question I think all of us have at different moments in our life. How do you know who you need with you? And the way that God does that, at least to start, is he tells those who are afraid that they can go home two-thirds I mean, it sounds random, but there's a brilliance to it. Because, I don't know if you know this, but people who are nervous and don't want to fight usually don't fight that well. Imagine that the, the strategy is, okay, we're all going to pair up for this battle that we are outnumbered, and it's pro- we're probably going to die, most of us are, um, so we're going to do pairings. How would you like to be paired with the person who is very nervous, made it very clear that they really don't want to be there, and that they do not want to fight, And, you know, the commander is like, that is going to be your trench buddy. That's the person going to be responsible to watch your back. And when he says that, they're like hiding in the corner eating snacks. You're like, I don't feel good about this. I don't, this is not what I want. And I would say that what is true of them is true of you. Like those who are around you because they're only obligated to or they benefit from you or they just want to skim the surface of life with you they're not gonna be able to be counted on when you fight your biggest battles. This is the way I would say it succinctly. You can't solve deep problems with shallow relationships. And some of us are looking to people when everything gets heavy to like, oh, I'm gonna lean on you. It's like you have not built a foundation in that relationship to withstand the weight of what you're about to go through. And that relationship is not going to be able to help you tunnel out. One wisdom writer says it this way. This is hilarious to me. This is Proverbs chapter 25, verse 19. Trusting an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. And in case you're not good at like like word pictures, like the, the gist of it is painful, ineffective, distracting. And what he's essentially getting at is partnering with the wrong people prevents even the right people from giving their best. You ever had some of the wrong people, like, on a team? Yeah. And, like, not only did they not do a good job, they kept you from doing a good job? Yeah. And this sometimes is the case. And apparently, even after two-thirds of the people leave, God still thinks, like, I feel like you got too many people. And Gideon's like, this is why I didn't want to do this to begin with, because I knew you were going to do something weird, and you're doing, this is it. This is the weird thing I was talking about. He goes on to say this, Judges chapter 7, verse 4. The Lord told Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them to the spring, and I'll test them. Divide them into two groups. In one, I'll put those who cup water in their hands and lap it with their tongues. The other, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths to the stream. Only 300 of the men Drank from their hands. So I just want you to sort of think about this in a a broader sense. The first time God sifts people according to attitude, right? Whether or not they actually want to be there and are invested into what's going on. And this time he sorts them according to approach. Attitude first, approach next. And essentially he sends those who shove their face in the stream away. He's not looking for people who are impulsive and instinctual. He wants people who are reasonable and rational because he has an unusual plan. He needs people that can think outside of the box and and take in detailed instructions and execute them with precision instead of impulsively breaking rank because they're small-minded and they can't understand that they're a part of something bigger than just them and that it's not all about them and what they think is gonna work for them in that moment. Another uh, wisdom writer says it this way. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And this is the way that I would say this first. Don't bring an undiscerning person into a delicate situation. You've heard that phrase like "Like a bull in a china shop. It's the same idea. Do not bring an undiscerning person into a delicate situation It's stupid. When you're trying to change something about you and about who you've been for a really long time, that's a complex process. It's gonna require you to rethink everything about the way you do your life. Don't do that with people who don't get what you're doing, who can't think critically, who can't sort of uh, open their minds to new ideas of how to get to where you're going because they will prevent you from figuring out what is best for you. The story goes on in verse 7 to say this. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send everybody else home. The armies of Midian had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. So Gideon collected the provisions from the other warriors and sent them home. Now, just so you understand the odds of this battle that's about to happen, it is 300 versus all the sand on the seashore number of warriors. (laughs) Not fair. Doesn't feel like a fair fight. And God's like, I got it. This is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. You can't use those guys. They were like, oh, you you don't want somebody like that. Get that guy out of here. And He's like, all right, I guess, I mean, I was going to follow you. Whew. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. This is what's going to happen. And I would just say, like, if ever there was a story with insurmountable odds, this is it. And, and part of the point of God doing this is I think it's twofold. The first thing I think is that God is going to win this battle, not these people. And that's important for us to understand. When we're in a situation that God is like, here's what I want you to do. And you're like, I don't see it working. And God is like, I get that. I want you to trust me anyway what he's really saying is like, I'm gonna win this, not you, but I'm not gonna do it alone. I'm gonna do it through you. So there's a part for me to do and a part for you to do. I need you to do what I'm telling you to do, but I'm gonna be the one that does it, just so we're clear. And that's what God is trying to communicate here. And I think the the other thing that he's trying to communicate is that God isn't just looking for a random group of 300 people. He's looking for 300 specific kinds of people because they're, those are the sorts of people that he needs to win this battle his way. And I think both of these things are important for us to grab hold of. I think the bigger principle here is that, you know, who you need with you is largely dependent on what you're trying to do. And I want you to understand this about whatever it is you are facing in your own life right now. What you can weather is more about who's with you than what's stacked against you. God is saying, like, listen, if you get the people part of this right, the opposition becomes irrelevant. If you have me by your side and on your side, and you allow me to sift the people around you and put the right people around you, not just because they're good people, I think a lot of good people went home that day. I think a lot of God-loving, God-honoring people went home that day. They just weren't the right people for this battle. They, They didn't have the right chemistry with Gideon to be able to accomplish christ-like purposes in this particular story and i gotta tell you this idea is all over scripture that what you can weather is more about who's with you than what's stacked against you in the book of ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 it says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed makes sense if one person falls the other can reach out and help them but if someone falls alone they're in real trouble A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. In other words, if you are trying to change your life, become a better person, break the chains of addiction, establish healthy Christ-centered habits all by yourself, you are doing it wrong. You are gonna fall you're gonna be attacked. Like things aren't gonna go your way and you are gonna need the right people around you at that moment to help you move forward God's way. I gotta tell you that resilience is always built in relationships and not just any relationships, a certain kind of relationship. I think Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 tells us what kind says this, there are friends, friends in quotes. This lets you know the author's being sarcastic. We all have friends. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. In other words, you may have people around you that you think are your friends. They are not your friends if they are making you worse. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad people, It doesn't mean that they're godless people. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love them, doesn't wanna use them. It doesn't even mean that they can't do something great or they're not even on the right path in their own life. It just means for you right now, that is not the best person to be in the trench for this battle. I would say if someone isn't making you better, limit your time with them. You don't need to tell them that's the reason. You can, it's up to you. Maybe be a little more tactful. And when I say better, I mean more like Jesus because that's the goal if you're a Christian. And this also means that your circle may not look like anybody else's because different people have different effects on one another. You ever notice that there's like one person, someone's like, oh man, I really like them. They've helped me so much. And you're like, that guy? That guy's a jerk. I don't like that guy. That guy, that guy that's helped you find peace in your life, every time I see him, I want to punch him and do drugs. I don't, that's not going to help me. (laughs) Right? So your circle may not look exactly like everybody else's circle. And that's fine. What's most important is what effect is that circle having on who you are? What's the chemistry of you and them creating? And an honest answer to that question ought to determine what kind of friendship you seek with them. Because there's different kinds of relationships, different kinds of friendships, even with our friends. I think a good question to ask yourself. This is just a simple way to do it. Are they a buddy or a brother? And this is what I mean by that. Because you need both of these things. Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says this: A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. And so here's the way that I would I would say it. And you could substitute the word like sister if that helps you in this particular situation. Um, I, I'm just it you know buddy started with the B and so did brother. So that's why I did it that way but this is not gender specific here, okay? A buddy is someone you hang out with when things are good, but a brother is someone who shows up for you when things are bad, and that's the difference. And if you expect a buddy to act like a brother, they're gonna disappoint you. And if you treat a brother like a buddy and keep things on the surface for too long, they'll stop being your brother because they're like, oh, you just want a buddy system with me. That's cool, I can give you that. But when you double back and want, like, brother depth from me, you haven't invested enough in this relationship for us to go there together. And you need both of these things. It's good to have buddies. There are certain people that I like hanging out with because it doesn't have to be deep. Like, we can just hang out. We can watch a game. We can just do a thing together. We can joke about stuff. And that's all it needs to be. And I don't expect anything more. And if I get anything more, it's just a bonus, just a surprise. right? But there are certain people in my life where it's like, hey, we're brothers. We're brothers. Like there's a depth to what's going on here. And there are going to be times I need you. There's this, there's this horrible quote from a movie that I say a lot of times to guys who are, I consider to be my brothers. And it's like, listen, this guy is just like, listen, I need you to help me do this thing. And he's like, I don't really want to, but I'll do it anyway. And here's the reason, because there's one day I'm gonna need help moving a body and I don't want you asking any questions. (laughs) And the guy's response was like, got it, we're brothers. (laughs) That's brothers right there. We'll edit that out in the uh, the podcast. Um, (laughs) You know, when a brother shows up for you, it's not just to sit and cry with you, although those things are important. It's definitely not to say I told you so. It's to link arms with you and help you fight your way forward. Because here's the thing. I don't care who you are. We all have things that we've got to fight. And just as you feel like, oh, I fought through that. I'm good. Isn't it weird that another battle just appears in your own life, in your own heart, in your own relationships? You need a band of brothers or a pack of mothers, okay? (laughs) Whichever applies most to you at this stage of your life. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Here's what I mean by that. You can't change the people that are already there, but you can swap them out for other people. Now, I'm not telling you, like, trade your husband in for a different husband. Okay, that's not what we're trying to do. Some of you are like, I love this church. (laughs) Oh, man. You guys doing a raffle afterwards? Are we going to walk out eligible bachelors? His name is Charlie, loves doing dishes <laughs> and cuddling. I'm saying like there are moments where you're just like, listen, I need to pull back from these people and I need to engage with these people during the season because I need the brotherhood that comes from this group in order to become who I need to be in this season. And I'm going to kind of, I'm gonna make, convert these people into buddies because that's, that's what I need from them during the season. I'm, I don't need to ditch them completely, but I may need to Alter the connection with them. And I would also tell you that changing some of those around you, it has the potential to change everything about you. And you already know this. You have seasons of your life where you connected with a different kind of person and it changed the kind of person that you were. What I'm saying is do not leave your relationships to chance. Be intentional about it. And sometimes what is holding us back from who God is calling us to be is too little time with the right people. And this is what I would tell you. Don't worry as much about minimizing time with certain people. Worry about maximizing time with the right kind of people because the other thing will happen naturally when you do the first thing. So the question is, who are you in the trenches with? Because I'll tell you this. If your group does not match your goals, you will not grow. If the group that you are in, that you are surrounding yourself with, is against, is fighting against you, maybe not even intentionally, but, but just sort of sub, like subconsciously, accidentally, you will not grow in that area of your life. And I say group because having several people moving in the direction you wanna go is way more effective than just having one. When you put yourself in the midst of a bunch of people who are trying to do what you wanna do and go where you wanna go, you are most likely to get caught up in the flow of that and be drug along in a very positive way with the current of their lives. And, man, we could probably think of a million examples of this. I, one of the things that happened to me, when I was in high school, I was, I was struggling really bad with my grades, um, which may sound surprising because you know, some of you are like, well, you seem smart and like you like to learn things. And, and I do, but I don't like to be told what to learn. And so uh, that's why I picked a job where I could be in charge of my own learning. But when I was in high school, I had trouble doing homework and turning in on time. And then I got put in a study hall and all my grades shot up. Because for an hour a day, I was sitting in a room where 100 other people were being quiet and working. And so I was quiet and did work. And I got things done. Because I just sort of mirrored and modeled what those people were doing. This last uh, group season, I was in a Bible reading group, a Bible study group and we were reading through the book of James together. And what's interesting is talking to the people that were in that group, one of the things they said as the group was coming to a close of like, man, I thought about the Bible, not just read it, I thought about the Bible and how it applied to my life more during this season than I did before. Why is that? Because every Thursday they had to show up and be around a bunch of other people that were gonna read a specific passage and try and talk about it intelligently yet humbly and it pushed them to do that. And then I'd give them a challenge every week from what we read. And so they had to think about that challenge all week long and they knew that I was gonna ask them about it when they came back to the group the next week. And so they had to think about how to do it because it was gonna be, they were gonna be confronted with their actions when they came back in. And this is just how it works. And we can think of a million different examples of this, but here's my challenge to you this week from, from this topic. I just wanna encourage you to pick a person who is resilient in a way that you really wanna be during this season of your life and put yourself around them regularly. Even better if you, when you pick that person, you put yourself around them in a group of other people that are also headed in that direction because you'll have an even better chance. Time with them, whoever they are, will rub off on you. You will start becoming like them. And they will help press you towards who you want to be simply by being themselves in your presence. Because the people you put around you are impacting you maybe more than you realize. If you want more resilience in an area, be around people who are resilient in that area or are striving for resilience in that area. Or you could just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. But you don't have to. I guess what I'm saying is like you don't have to be mild sauce forever, okay? You can, you can put yourself in a hot sauce. I'll tell you this, at the end of that season, like, you know, I could never really quite get to the hot sauce level that they were at, but I was a hero in my own home, I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> Came back to those weenies. <laughs> I was like, taco night, how about a little paste piccane sauce? Sprinkle that on. They're like, oh my gosh, what's come over you? And I ate it and I'm like, yeah, there's not even any sweat on my brow. Impressive. Yeah, I've been hanging out with the hot sauce family. I guess I'm a little bit of a hot sauce person as well. And they're like, let me taste that. And they taste it and they would be like, okay, I just need need more cottage cheese. That's too much. Too much, too much, too much. I wonder what it is for you that you need more resilience in. Find those people, put them around you and watch as you begin to change in the best possible way. Here's what I wanna do to sort of close our time together today is I wanna pray over you, which I do every week, but I wanna pray specifically for the moms that are here that God would give you the resilience you need by placing the right relationships around you in this season. I think this is a tough thing for a lot of moms is that uh, there's no way to become a mom and to weigh down in the middle of it. I've never heard a mom be this. Like, now that I'm actually doing it, it's so easy. <laughs> it's way easier than I thought. I don't need any help whatsoever. Never, never. It's always like, oh man, why did we have children? This is a lot. I love them, but like, wow, the toll it's taking. I need help, I need help, I need help. We all need help to become resilient in the way we need to. So if you were a mom here, uh, would you just stand to your feet right now so that we can acknowledge you and also pray for you in this moment. What you do is hard and um, God is with you but more than that God wants to put the right people around you so that you can fight through whatever battle you're facing and some of us in here, right, you are trying to figure out how to manage your health and your kids. You're trying to figure out how to have a career and take care of your children and you're trying to deal with like uh, a situation in like your romantic relationship while while juggling your kids. You're trying to deal with a financial situation that is so heavy and it's just, it's so much and you, you need other people around you. And I want to pray that God would give you exactly who you need in order to become who you need to be in this season and make it through whatever you are facing in the here and now. I'm gonna ask all the moms just to, to close your eyes and just open your mind to God. And for those of you just sitting in and around these moms, just sort of um, you know stretch a hand towards them if you know them and they wouldn't be upset. You could put a hand on their shoulder. Um, on their back, if you don't know them, just sort of stretch a hand near them. And as I pray for them, would you just, in your own words, in your own heart, pray along with them and for them as well. God, we see every mom in this space and we know that their job is difficult. And that's what it is, it's a job. It's God-ordained work for a purpose. And yet it is tough. Like any job that means anything There's a huge cost. The payoff is not free. It comes from wearing ourselves out in the right direction. And some of these moms here are very, very, very worn out. The toll that it's taken on their body, on their mind, on their health, on their spirit, it's just almost too much to put into words. Some of them feel like they're doing it all on their own. Some of them are doing it on their own and it is weighty. And God, I pray that in this moment, they would feel your presence, your spirit, right next to them. Your word says that your spirit is our comforter, our counselor, that you are with us to support us and guide us. And as a part of that, you lead us to the right people and the right people to us. I pray that you would open these mother's eyes to the people around them who will speak life into them, who will run alongside them, who will encourage them, who will support them, who will pray for them, who will show up for them, who notice the nuances of when they are not doing good, even though they say they are. God, I pray that you would put these people in their orbit and encourage them to lean in, not just on Mother's Day, but on every day. And God, I pray that they would feel the support, that they would feel the the in-the-trenches fighting power, the back-to-back sisterhood of other people being with them in what may be the biggest battle of their lives, raising their kids well to know and love you. God, allow them to do through you what they could not do on their own by following you and trusting you step by step and by leaning on the people around them by sifting and sorting through the voices that will uplift them and the ones that are pulling them down. God, I pray that they would be strict about their time and their relationships because their relational health dictates the relational health of those looking to and relying on them. Pour into them today. Invigorate them. Give them your courage, your strength, your resilience it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's give these moms a huge hand. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org corona, or follow us on social media at southhillscorona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.